0: Hi, how are you today? My name is Bailey Sarian and today is Monday, which means it's Murder, Mystery and Makeup Monday. I was up late the other night and I came across this story. I don't know how I came across this story, but I had never heard of it. Now, riddle me this. Why is it when a a story like this happens so close to home, why is it like so much more scary? You're like, oh my God, I know that place. I lived there. I drove over there one time and like it's just it just hits you differently right that's this story for me and it's so stupid because it has nothing to do with you but you make it about you don't make this about me i'm saying it's you know we all do this don't lie the way i set this up i think it might be a little confusing but you know that's okay i'm just gonna try my best you get it we're gonna start with Brittany kilgore yeah quite the name huh uh she was 22 years old and she was living in Fallbrook, California. It's like uh, the San Diego area. She was married at the time to her husband who was a US Marine and his name was Corey Kilgore. Now this story takes place in April of 2012. There's not much said about anybody's upbringing. So I don't really have much, like I don't really know I don't have anything to say, because you know I love a good background story. But what we do know is that Brittany and her husband were living in Fallbrook because it was close to Camp Pendleton, where her husband needed to be because he was in the Marines. So I'm not sure how long they were there for, but at one point he did get deployed to Afghanistan, which like many, wives in the situation. It turned out to be super lonely for Brittany. When the two of them got married, I guess she was like 19, 20 years old. So, you know, she was, super young. And as time went on, it seems like maybe she just realized that the Marine wife life wasn't for her, you know, and that's fair. So in April of 2012, after two years of marriage, Brittany decided to file for divorce. Now, I guess he was deployed at this time. So she was feeling super lonely and she also wanted to move back home and just be closer to family. I believe her home where her friends and family lived was in Missouri but I also saw uh, different sources say Pennsylvania. So, I mean, two very different places it seems. So she was going to pack up her stuff and move back home. That's just a little bit about Brittany Kilgore. And now we're going to talk about three other people and then we're gonna circle back to Brittany, okay? Three other people, Luis Perez, who was 45 years old, Dorothy Maraglino, 40, and Jessica Lopez, 20. 20- Five, we're gonna be talking about these shitheads for a minute, sorry, but I'm not sorry, because listen. First of all, this guy, Luis Perez, was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. Terrifying, once you realize how gross these people are. You nasty. So these three people were active participants in the BDSM lifestyle. I know that you are mature enough to know that this is not a representation of anyone who participates in BDSM, right? Well, maybe you're thinking, but wait, Bailey, I've never heard of BDSM before. What is it? It's an acronym for bondage, discipline, and sadomasochism. It's a lifestyle. But most of all, it's a lifestyle where consenting participants have certain roles like master, slave, mistress, and sometimes they can give and receive pain during quote-unquote play sessions. I mean, you get it, whips and change. maybe not they are so these three people were living this lifestyle together and they had their roles as master, mistress, and slave. Now Lewis, he was the master of the situation and Dorothy was his submissive. And this other girl, she was like a little bit newer to the group than the youngest, obviously. Her name's Jessica. Uh, she was Dorothy's slave. She lived with Dorothy at her home in Fallbrook, which Lewis would visit pretty much like all, he pretty much lived there, but he he lived on base. so. Dorothy was someone who would switch often. She would be submissive with Louis and then dominant with Jessica. Now they kept it kosher and in the house, they had a house manual that they followed with like all the rules, okay, of like what they could and could not do. And also a perfect slave checklist and slave contract, pretty much just showing and agreeing that the parties were consenting, again, what they agree to, what they don't agree to, what just all the rules and stuff for them. Dorothy, she would make Jessica wear a dog collar like all the time. Yeah. I'm not judging, but I mean, okay. <laughs> she would make her wear a dog, a dog collar uh, because like she she was her property and she controlled everything Jessica did within the home. Whereas Lewis was the master and he had control over Dorothy's household, which meant he also had control over Jessica. Are you following? Are you listening? Good, I'm glad you are. So Lewis technically controlled all of them in the house. Slash makeup. Now Lewis over here he loved inflicting pain on others and um in past relationships it was it was said that he would choke his partners every time they had sex and he had fantasies about having his partner like abduct a stranger and then forcing them to have sex. But I guess this winner over here, Lewis, he loved taking things too far with his partners. And if they wanted out, Lewis wouldn't listen. In other words, he's just a creepy asshole. If you're going to do this shit, the number one rule you gotta follow is that your partner is consenting and Lewis is a piece of shit, you know? Sorry. It's not that hard to be an okay, Basic person. So when people do stuff like this, it's just like, why? Why can't you just jerk off? Or get like a sex doll that you can do things to and like you're not hurting anybody, just throwing out ideas, you know? I don't know why he didn't ask me. He should have asked me. I would have been there to help, like, hey, sex doll, they've come a long way. The boobs, they move, it's wild. Anywho, all three of these people in the household had BDSM abduction, torture, and murder fantasies, and milking fantasies. I'm throwing that in there because it brought me back to one of my early murder mystery and makeup episodes, the Robert Woe episode, which is like just a weird story, but that's where they had like a milking device. And I was like, what's a milking device? Like what? And then I looked it up. Girl, you guys are wild. I learned that day. Yes, I did. I don't think that's for me, but I respect it. So yeah, they have these fantasies. Great. So I guess Lewis and Dorothy did have, like they were a couple, but they they had an open relationship, but it was said that Miss Dorothy, as much as she played along with this open relationship idea, she was very insecure and she believed that Lewis was going to leave her for another woman, so she was paranoid, she was insecure, she was jealous, she was everything. So you got the th- the three people there, right? Great. Now we're gonna circle back to Brittany Kilgore. So Brittany had a close friend who also lived in the same apartment complex as her and her name is Elizabeth Hernandez. Now Elizabeth became good friends with Dorothy in 2011. So Elizabeth would get invited over to Dorothy's house pretty often. I'm not really sure how they met, but they did. Elizabeth would go over to Dorothy's house and because Brittany was her friend, Brittany would tag along. It was said that neither Brittany nor Elizabeth were involved in like the BDSM lifestyle, but they were aware as to like what was going on in Dorothy's household. And like, they were okay with the situation because it wasn't like affecting them in the moment. I guess in the beginning, Dorothy, she liked Britney. She didn't dislike her. I don't know if they had like the best relationship, but they definitely were cordial. But over time, Dorothy got the feeling that Britney was being flirty with her main daddy, Lewis. Uh-uh, nay-nay. And because of this, tensions were a brewing. Dorothy was becoming quite jealous of Britney and started calling her names behind her back, of course, because she wouldn't do it to her face. So she started referring to Britney as the disease or the herpes when she wasn't around and she was like talking about her. Just real mature stuff. You think when you get out of high school, all of the gossip and bullshit name calling ends and it doesn't and you then you realize that and you're like, wow, <laughs> People just flicking are so stupid. So Dorothy was becoming extra friendly with Elizabeth. Remember, Brittany's friend. And it was said that Dorothy was trying to recruit her into their BDSM lifestyle because she seemed, Elizabeth, seemed impressionable and easy to control. I think Dorothy liked to have Elizabeth over because like she really loved to just sit around and gossip with her and talk about how much she disliked Brittany. Dorothy would tell Elizabeth like, hey, I can get rid of her if you want. Like she's so annoying, right? Isn't she annoying? Elizabeth though, from my understanding, she would not like lean into this. She would like just hear Dorothy gossiping and then be like, okay, I'm just not gonna bring Brittany around anymore. Like Dorothy obviously doesn't like her and whatever. I'm just gonna mind my own fucking business. Elizabeth does tell Dorothy, well, you don't have to hate her anymore. Like you could let go of these feelings because she's actually getting a divorce and she's moving. She's gonna be gone. And I guess this made Dorothy happy. So a different day, Elizabeth goes over to the gang's house, right? The three of them. Elizabeth starts telling Dorothy about this dinner cruise called the Hornblower Dinner Cruise in San Diego that she recently had gone on. She was like, yeah, it was a real hoot. She's telling Dorothy all about this dinner cruise and then she's like, oh, I was thinking about taking Brittany on this dinner cruise because she seems super interested in it and I just wanted to do something nice before she moves. And nothing seems like out of the ordinary about this conversation, but the seed was planted. So on April 13th, 2012, Brittany is at her apartment and she's packing. So she's at home. She has a friend there who's helping her pack. And then at 4.30 PM, there's a knock at the door. Knock, knock. So Brittany opens it and it's Lewis. She's a little taken aback because, like, how did Lewis know where she lived? She never told them her address. She's never talked about where she lived. It was just kind of like, What what are you doing here? She asked Lewis, like, how did you get my address? And his response was like, Oh, you know, I just I know some people I asked around. And she's like, Okay. Well, Lewis tells Britney that he is there because he wants her to come with him on the Hornblower dinner cruise that very night. He was telling Britney that he had two tickets that very night, but he didn't have anybody to go with. Britney tells Lewis, like, no, I need to pack because I'm moving. And um, second of all, it's like, she didn't really hang out with Lewis one-on-one. It was just weird. Lewis gives Britney, his phone number, and he's like, "Look, if you change your mind, just hit me up. Let me know. I'm cool like that. I'm flexible." So as Lewis is leaving the house, Brittany's house, he sends Dorothy a text message saying something along the lines of, "Like this guy wasn't successful." So not long after he left, Brittany texted Lewis asking if he knew anyone that could help her move her heavy furniture. Lewis texted back, "Quote." Party with me tonight, and you'll have five guys there in the morning. Now, he wasn't talking about that hamburger place. He was like, I could get you help. Just you have to come out with me tonight. So, Brittany responded saying that she definitely needed help moving. She had a lot of heavy furniture, but she didn't want to party because she got the feeling that Dorothy, Lewis's like main chick, didn't like her and she didn't want to like ruffle any feathers. So Lewis responds to Brittany saying, oh, Dorothy's fine with it. You know, she doesn't hate you. She likes you. Now Lewis tells Brittany to go ahead and call Dorothy yourself and gives her her, her Dorothy's number. He's like, call her up, text her, like ask her yourself. She's totally cool. So based off of phone records, I guess Brittany does end up calling Dorothy around six o'clock p.m. And we're not really sure what the, what was said in the conversation, but it, there was a friend helping Brittany pack, and she overheard heard the conversation, and she said that they, the phone calls seemed to like go well because there was laughing, Brittany was giggling, and just being friendly. Brittany tells the friend once the phone calls over that Dorothy couldn't go on the cruise with Louis because she was pregnant, which she was, and she knew she would get seasick and just like ruin the whole night, it wouldn't be fun. So she's like, "Yeah, you should go. Like, uh, no big deal. You should go." After hanging up the phone, Brittany tells her friend that she was not interested in Lewis, but she felt like this was her last chance to like experience that dinner cruise before she moved, and she really wanted to go on it. It seemed like a lot of fun. slash makeup So at six ten p.m., Brittany texts Lewis that she will go with him to the dinner cruise. Lewis is like, yay, and tells her to be ready at 7.30 p.m. and he was going to pick her up. He assured her that like in the morning, his friends would come over and help her move. A side note, the hornblower cruise left the dock at 7 p.m. So I think it's safe to say that Lewis wasn't planning on taking her on this cruise, okay? Cause he's picking her up at 7.30. Before leaving, Brittany left her her friend phone numbers for Lewis and Dorothy, because she, I don't know, she just wanted to make sure that she was safe. She was feeling a little unsure about this whole situation. And she's like, here's their numbers just in case. Well, there is surveillance footage that showed Lewis driving up to her apartment complex at 7.36 PM. And then the two of them drive out of the complex at 7.40. So we know that they left together because it's on video. So at 7.50 p.m., it's like 10 minutes after Brittany left the apartment complex, Brittany's friend, the one who was there trying to um, help her pack, her name was Chani, she receives a text message from Brittany and all it says is help. That's all it says. And this is like 10 minutes after they left. So, so around 8 p.m., 10 minutes later, her friend is trying to call her. She calls numerous times and she's getting no answer. At five, she, the friend, receives a text message from Brittany that says, yes, I love this party. Brittany's friend instantly knew, or she just got like that really weird feeling that it wasn't Brittany who was texting her. Shortly after, she also received text messages from Brittany that again, just did not sound like her. So her, the friend kept calling and calling and calling Brittany like, fucking answer, you know? She's like, she texts Brittany like, I'm calling because I need to hear your voice. I need to hear you. I'm not gonna do this texting bullshit. So the friend, received another text from Brittany that said, okay, music is too loud. Later on, I guess at, during the trial, Lewis had admitted that he was using Brittany's phone to call her friend while playing loud music from his car to make it seem like she was at a loud party and couldn't talk. Meanwhile, Brittany's friend, Elizabeth, the one who introduced her to the group of friends, she got word that like something was up with Brittany. Elizabeth calls up Dorothy, hello. What's going on? What's going on? I'm hearing like Britney texted help. You know, I know she's with you guys. What's going on? And Dorothy said that she had not spoken to Brittany and had no idea like what she was talking about. Brittany's friend calls up Lewis's phone and asks him, like, what the hell is going on? Can't get a hold of Britney. We're worried. Lewis tells this friend on the phone that he Took Britney downtown to like some club. She started talking to some guy and he left her there, and that was the last time he saw her. At this point, cell phone records showed that Lewis was at Dorothy's house this whole time, pretty much. Like he left Britney's house and then went to Dorothy's house. So Dorothy's telling Lewis, like, hey, I worked for a cell phone company. Cell phones are traceable. They can detect where you're at because of the cell towers. She's telling this to Lewis. So Louis is, is just like stupid ass. I'm sorry, but like he is, like he's so fucking stupid. He's like, well, oh my God, like phones are traceable. So Lewis is like, okay, in order for my story to make sense, I need to take Britney's cell phone to downtown San Diego and like dump it so it lines up with his story but his dumb ass didn't realize that like the phone showed that he went to dorothy's house then drove downtown san diego dropped the phone and then they could track they being like police they could track lewis's phone and see that he drove back to dorothy's house cell phone data showed lewis and slave girl jessica's phone at one point moving east towards Temecula in the early hours of April 14th. Now their phones were traced to Lake Skinner and they were there for quite some time. And then the phones moved back to Dorothy's house. Just a bunch of dumbasses because Dorothy literally told them that cell phones are traceable and they take their phones with them on this mission. Just like great listening skills, daddy. Well, on April 14th, Elizabeth, Brittany's friend, remember? She calls up Dorothy. She's like, look, I know you had spoken to Brittany. What's going on? And I guess Dorothy gets all flustered and starts stuttering. She's like, yeah, uh, I well, you know, she, well, she wanted, it. And then she like gives the phone to Lewis, who then tells Elizabeth, I guess, like three different versions as to what happened that previous night. Nothing was making sense. Nothing was lining up and nobody had like a clear answer as to where was, where was Brittany? It shouldn't be that difficult, right? Exactly. So after all of this commotion, the police were contacted. Police ended up reaching out to Lewis, who seemed panicky, but he agreed to come talk to police in person. So Lewis comes down to the police department and it's noted that like His story seems to flip flop. He doesn't have a clear answer as to like where Bernie is. Okay. I won't waste my time on what Lewis's excuses were but what police did notice right away was that his car was caked with like fresh mud. He's like, do you live on a muddy road or something? No, nay nay, Lewis says nay. So police are like, okay. Noted, like fresh mud on his car, missing girl, interesting. So Lewis had agreed for police to search his car. And then Lewis was placed under arrest when they found an unlawful weapon inside his vehicle. I'm not 100% sure what it was, but I'm assuming, this is an assumption, I'm assuming it was the Taser, which I'll talk about, but I'm not 100% sure, but he was placed under arrest. So then police go down to Miss Dorothy's home and they perform a search there. So police had noticed, well, first of all, nobody was home. Interesting, right? And police had noticed that some items in the home seemed to be missing, like they just could tell Things, there were gaps in certain areas. Interesting, right? They also noticed that the house looked and smelled like it had been freshly cleaned. As police kind of were going through the house and whatnot, times going by. Interesting that they did not come home that evening. So police are like, well, we gotta locate these bitches. So they tried to locate um, Dorothy's vehicle by looking up her license plate and whatnot. And they're able to locate uh, Dorothy's vehicle on April 17th at a hotel parking lot near the San Diego airport. Seems like she's making a run for it. Skinnamarinky-dinky-dink, skinnamarinky do. I found you. So police go down to the hotel where um, Dorothy's vehicle was at, right? They go to the hotel, they go to the front desk. They're able to find the room which these idiots are registered for the night because it's under their name. Great, easy peasy, love that. Police, knock, 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 on the hotel door. Now, weird, weird thing happens, let me tell you. Jessica, remember Jessica? She answers the door. Now it has a chain lock on the door. So it's like, they can't open it all the way, right? So she's kind of peeking out. She's like, hello. Can I help you? Police notice that Jessica seems to be breathing like very slowly and she's like trying to tell police that everything's fine, but they uh, are kind of looking, trying to see behind her and whatnot. And um, that's when they notice blood on the floor behind her. So police, you know, like kick down the door, whatever they do, and they go into the hotel room and that's when they find, like, this is bizarre. This is where it gets really kind of weird. They find Jessica in the room, right? She's half naked and she's bleeding at her from her neck. She has a cut across her neck. It was a suicide attempt. In the room, police also find a handwritten confession letter by Jessica with a sign that says, quote, pigs read this, end quote. So I'm sure that was really awkward, right? She's like, oh my God, I wasn't calling you guys pigs. I thought I wasn't gonna be here when you guys read that. It's just spurred looks. So in the letter, Jessica took complete responsibility for Brittany's death, saying that she alone, she only and she alone had grabbed Brittany, slammed her body into the stairs, restrained her wrist, ankles, and mouth, got a taser, tasered her, wrapped rope around her neck, attempted to cut her body up with power tools, doused her body with bleach, and then dumped her body near Lake Skinner. This is what the letter says. Also in the letter, Jessica expressed her love for Dorothy (laughs) and loved being her slave and pet. Just like wannabe helter-skelter vibes, right? It wasn't said in any of the stuff I read, but I think it's safe to say, in my personal opinion, I think they were making Jessica take the full blame because she was like the quote, quote, slave. I bet, you know, I'm sure you probably agree. You know, they read this letter and they believed that the killing part was most likely true. Like what was described was true. But they also, um, they didn't believe that Jessica did this by herself because it also said in the letter that Brittany had showed up at Dorothy's house the night before, she just showed up uninvited she demanded Lewis have sex with her and that's when the fight started but based off cell phone records and surveillance we know that's not true police were able to get the hotel sur- surveillance footage it showed that Dorothy and Jessica went down to the hotel lobby and asked <laughs> this is so stupid asked the front desk lady if they if uh, they could make copies of this confession letter. And it showed them um, making three copies. Unsure why three copies and where they were all gonna go. Yeah, so police knew like Dorothy was involved, okay. On the morning of April 17th, Dorothy had left the state. She like flew to Virginia to go visit her family. So she fucking bounced. She was like, thanks Jessica. Bye. Well, after all of that, Jessica, she had attempted suicide by slitting her throat, which to me, this is again, a personal opinion. I just, I feel like maybe Dorothy did that before she left. That's like a very painful way to commit suicide. Like in a slow process. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So police take Jessica, uh, she's still alive, to the hospital and uh, she's arrested. Was it worth it, Jessica? A search team goes out to Lake Skinner and it, do, it doesn't take long for them to discover Brittany's body. The medical examiner determined the cause of death to be strangulation. Her neck had been fractured, indicating someone had applied more than 30 pounds of pressure on her neck. There were bruises on her legs, a bruise um, on the outside of her left wrist, which uh, was consistent with like handcuffs. There were two cuts which were forming like a T on her left wrist and five small pinprick marks on the left side of her face, which was consistent with the use of um, stun stun gun thing. Now they also saw that there was a deep cut to the le- her left knee, which was consistent with the use of a power saw that is believed to have been used after Death. Also, it seemed that she had been doused with bleach. Police searched Lewis's car again, and police find disposable gloves, pieces of plastic, a stun gun in working condition, and there was blood found on the plastic gloves. I don't know why they didn't find this stuff the first time they searched the car. I found that to be weird, but also maybe I just misunderstood that part. Maybe they they ran like the DNA tests and stuff and realized that it was Britney's blood. I'm not sure, but they found this stuff linking him to the crime and Britney's DNA was all over the items and in the car. Well, on April 19th, Dorothy's house was searched again and they found items that were believed to be used in the murder. That's also when police found like the BDSM contracts as well as a full on BDSM room, which, (laughs) It's, it's, okay, it was a BDSM room, which Dorothy was also converting into her nursery because she was pregnant. So it was like a BDSM room slash nursery. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like maybe those two shouldn't mesh together. But I'm not a parent, so. So Dorothy, I mean, she was very much pregnant. She was about to pop with Lewis's baby. Anyways, Dorothy luckily was arrested in May of 2012, but police could not find any evidence or blood at Dorothy's house, which like would link her to the crime. They didn't have any evidence that she was part of it, you know? So they were a little worried that they just weren't gonna be able to link her to the crime. Police searched her truck and they found a rope and a knife But they couldn't like connect those items to the crime. There's no DNA on it or anything. They also found in Dorothy's truck a receipt for cleaning products, uh, water paper towels and rubber gloves that were purchased on April 14th. So they thought like that's their smoking gun. So a special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service searched Lewis's home, which was on base, and they found BDSM writings, which included like some writings by Dorothy, which expressed her throat-slitting fantasy stories, along with Lewis's abduct and murder fantasy stories. Again, like it wasn't proof that they did anything, but it, you know, it just made sense, the situation. Dorothy's cell phone was found a year and a half later, which was wiped clean, disassembled, and in the closet of her brother's house in Missouri. Super random. The clothes worn by Lewis, Dorothy and Brittany on April 13th were never recovered or found. I'm sorry, Lewis. what's the other girl's name? I forget, you know, none of their clothes were, were found. So all of them are arrested at this point, right? Great as they should be. During trial, Lewis admitted that he had misled Brittany into believing they were going on a cruise long after they had already missed the boat in order to get her into his car. On October 21st, 2015, the jury convicted Lewis and Dorothy, of first degree murder, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, kidnapping, torture, and attempted sexual battery by restraint. The jury acquitted Jessica of the conspiracy charge, but convicted her of all of the remaining charges. On November 19th, 2015, Lewis and Dorothy received life with the possibility of parole. Okay, if that's what you wanna do, jury. And on January 8th, 2016, Jessica received life also with the possibility of parole. They have all since tried to appeal their convictions. Brittany's husband later came out and like made his own statement saying that what had happened is awful, but also to not believe the news and whatnot. And that Brittany was just like a really nice person because the news, you know, when the news gets word about murder, which involves potential BDSM situations, oh, they lose their shit. And they take it to a whole new level. They're like wild sex craze people, getting murder you know, and that's what they were doing. And they were making it seem like Britney was involved in this BDSM lifestyle and she was not. It was just shitty people, not even shitty people, just fucking terrible people taking this girl's life because ugly fucking Dorothy was envious and jealous of this girl. Unfortunately, that's the end of the story. It's just awful. Luckily, luckily, I mean, they're locked up. I think they should just be put down. Anyways, that's the story of Brittany Kilgore and how these awful people murdered her for no damn reason. Disgusting. Disgusting. That guy was a freaking... what was he? Like a high up sergeant. Is that not fucking creepy? There's always some fucking fucked up ones in there, aren't there? It's scary. Uh, But other than that, I hope you have a good day today. Please make good choices. Please be safe out there. Please listen to your gut. If something does not feel right, believe it. Just listen to yourself. Okay. I love and appreciate you. Have a good day. I'll be seeing you guys later. Goodbye.